Standard Issue for all women. Hello there. Welcome to episode 15 of the Standard Issue podzine. I'm Mickey Noonan and I am not an old Irish boxer. I'm joined by... I'm Hannah Dunleavy and I once told a poorly flatmate to stop malingering and eat some vegetables and the following day she fell into a coma. (laughs) And I'm Jen Alford and I don't understand why Dr Foster was never struck off the medical register. Later on, I chat to Ray Earl, the woman behind My Mad Fat Diary, about her new book, It's All In Your Head, A Guide To Getting Your Shit Together. Mick and I caught up with the blogger Jem Turner and talked to her about her Diversity in Media Award. And I'll be talking about new Olympic sports and money. Is climbing a sport? Yeah. Well, we'll see. Okay. And our Sarah Millican joins us as I do Disney's Sleeping Beauty. But first, balls ups, gibbons and Nobel Prize ribbons. It's time for the Bush Telegraph. Cue Sting. Telegraph. Welcome to the Bush Telegraph, where we take a long and thoughtful look at the news before putting forward considered views, much like Katie Hopkins after a major incident in... No, scrub that. Prime Minister Theresa May made a mockery of herself again last week as she delivered her speech to the Conservative Party conference in Manchester. Far be it from us to reduce a woman in the UK's highest political office to an accessory, but Teabag hit the headlines for a whole host of reasons, one being a bracelet carrying the image of Frida Kahlo. That's Frida Kahlo, the celebrated feminist icon and one-time lover of Leon Trotsky. So kind of like Big Joe Stalin rocking a medallion emblazoned with some jaunty images of emaciated kulaks at the Communist Party of the Soviet Union's annual St Petersburg Jolly. But, more importantly, Teabag coughed and spluttered her way through the speech as the set literally fell to pieces with some rather awkward consequences only to eventually be upstaged by comedian Simon Brodkin, a.k.a. Lee Nelson, of all people. Amber Rudd's face said it all, and by all I mean, how the fuck did I end up saddled with this? It's a bit of a turmoil of emotions, isn't it? I mean, I vehemently disagree with pretty much everything she says and stands for, but it is excruciating to watch a fellow human humiliated in such a way. But that's just it. We are capable of different emotions at the same time. And I don't think feeling empathy for Theresa May in that particular situation means that I'm going to start applauding universal credit or putting up posters of Jacob Rees-Mogg and his union, Jack Bloomers. Yeah, well, the thing is, although you could argue that the media are bullying her, you could argue that her party are bullying her a lot worse. I would say so. that's, yeah, more, that is a more accurate... I don't know, I mean, obviously the media reports on what happens and that happened, but fucking hell... I can't bring myself to watch it. I really can't. It's so awkward. Did you watch it? Yeah, I've seen it. Is it as bad as... Yeah, it's horrific. You feel really... Well, I felt really sorry for her. She's trying to do a, a, a job and get a speech out. She's got a cough and a cold. The other thing I thought was, even though I am not team Teresa at all, but the fact that someone got so close to her must have been mm. genuinely quite frightening. The yeah. fact that it was Lee Nelson. <laughs> I think it might, more cause, it might cause people to reassess the statement that Laura Kunzberg was way over the top for requiring security. Anyway, good news for the People's Princess Jeremy Corbyn as the Labour Party took a decisive lead in the polls over Teabag's band of merry minge bags for the first time since taking the helm. Labour's 42% approval rating over the Conservatives' 37% was recorded by a BMG research study in which a separate question saw Corbyn take a 2% lead over May in terms of who would make a better Prime Minister. I mean, that is a broad old spectrum right now, isn't it? An actual teabag in a wig would possibly make a better PM than May. 
The survey results must have had Boris Johnson rubbing his clammy thighs with glee <laughs> as he uh, set his minions about polishing the knife rack. Though you might wish Corbyn would crack on and say something sensible about Europe. Purely on the basis of haircuts, Jezza gets my vote. And that's before you even think about him appearing to care about other humans and generally not being a cunt. Mm. Um, and also, imagine if Donny J. Trump and Blundering Boris were ever to share centre stage, because that is a brand new hole in the ozone in terms of hairspray consumption. I imagine other gases as well. Yeah. I also imagine, Jen, that you've fallen into the... Uh, the Chinese-led conspiracy that there is a hole in the ozone layer. Yes, so I'm I'm sort of into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. science and all that. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is crazy. <laughs> More bad news for women in the U.S. as the administration of the marauding Gibbon, currently in charge, changed rules regarding the Affordable Care Act. While the previous administration had allowed companies to opt out of providing contraception coverage in the health insurance of female employees only if the company had some sort of religious purpose. Now, any Tom Dick or even bigger Dick can opt out if they object to grown women having sex on religious or moral grounds. One estimate suggests that since Obama introduced his policy, womankind had saved up to $1.4 billion, although this figure presumably did not include the unquantifiable costs like unwanted pregnancies, physical pain, inconvenience and lost earnings. Mm. Reproductive rights groups have taken on the challenge and all the bloody best to them, being in the fortunate position of having the NHS and a boss who thinks women can do what, or indeed who, ever the fuck they like. We wish the same for women everywhere. Agreed. A tiny, well, at least it's something, hurrah, that movie mogul Harvey Weinstein has been sacked following the slew of sexual harassment allegations that recently emerged against a Hollywood producer and co-founder of the Weinstein Company. Big Don Don Trumpetron weighed in with all the self-awareness of, well, Donald J. Trump to say he'd known Weinstein for ages, so wasn't really surprised. Did he say that? Yeah. Coming from him, that's like... Exactly, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, I was, I'm not that surprised. Yeah, really, mate? I've seen a mirror recently. Yeah. Weinstein himself admitted he regretted his behaviour, saying, I own my mistakes. Oh, that's OK then, halves. Just walk under the bridge, innit? A massive ah yeah here, though, for bona fide smasher Emma Thompson, who it emerged threatened to quit Brideshead Revisited if Weinstein forced actor Hayley Atwell on a diet. This came after the clearly overweight older man told Atwell she looked like a fat pig on screen, with all the self-awareness of, well, Donald J. Trump. And it's good news for anyone hoping to update their Halloween look this year. Bored of sexy cat slash witch slash zombie slash lunatic, etc, etc. Lucky you, there's a new sexy in town by way of a sexy Melania costume, loosely based on her inauguration outfit for that truly terrifying day in January this year. And by loosely, we mean the same thing, but with gratuitous leg and midriff bearing. Though patriotic revellers will, of course, have to provide their own general air of bewilderment and slight edge of Stockholm syndrome. In this political time, Yandy.com's sexy political donkey... And sexy political elephant, no, really, I've seen them. They're very sexy indeed. <laughs> We're both reduced by $10 a piece. Thus proving that anything can be made genuinely sexy merely by dint of putting the word sexy in front of it. Sexy dossiers, sexy lampposts, sexy Jurassic Park. Publisher Condé Nast has announced that the UK version of Glamour magazine will no longer appear on shelves monthly, instead becoming a digital-first product with two print publications a year. In a statement, the firm said, 
the editorial and commercial departments will be fully integrated, offering our partners access to the whole team with a unified and cohesive structure, creating content for brands and editorial alike, adding, and the new look glamour for the beauty obsessed will debut early 2018, which roughly translates to, we remain committed to flogging lipstick to you just in a more cost-effective fashion. For us. A Wakefield man has been jailed for four years after he groomed a horse, and not in the nice glossy coat way. A report in the Huddersfield Daily Examiner reveals that Julian Mark Ridgway was caught forcing himself on honey by her owner. On his arrest, Ridgway denied the charges, but DNA evidence led to his conviction. That and the fact equine porn was found at his home, and he'd been caught half-naked with a horse in the past. So far, so what the fuck is wrong with people? But there's a curious emphasis on the equine victim's sexual history in the paper's report, which states that Honey was a virgin mare and, later on, reminds readers she had never been covered by a stallion. Thank fuck Honey wasn't drunk on cider apples and wearing high heel horseshoes, or the judge might have been more lenient with Ridgway's sentence. And finally, novelist Kazuo Ishiguro won the Nobel Prize for Literature, causing that most rare of things, almost universal agreement that it was a great shout. More news like this, please. Yeah. Are we Ishiguro fans? I've only ever seen The Remains of the Day, and that was a long old time ago. No, I don't know anything. The Remains of the Day is excellent, and Never Let Me Go is really excellent. That's the film with Kristen Scott Thomas, right? No. No? It is a film. Is it the one that has Andrew Garfield and Kerry Mulligan? Yeah. Spoiler alert. Basically harvesting organs for people. It's good, you should read it. As chuffed as we are, it is worth adding, though, that out of the nearly 900 Nobel Prize winners, only 48 laureates have been women. Maths isn't my forte, but that is a shit percentile for half the population. The fruit fly, or at least work around the fruit fly, has won six, for fuck's sake. Well, you have equal pay, but, you know, they're not equal, are they? Sexism of the week. It's that part of the week where we comb through the body hair of judging women and pick at the ingrown hairs of what the fuckery. Indeed, and this week, Swedish model Arvida Bystrom, apologies to Swedish people listening if I haven't pronounced that right, was involved in quite an amazing story after she received rape threats after posing in an advert with unshaved legs. We've all been there. Yeah, surely it's not like she was trying too hard, which is what rape victims usually get told they've been doing. Good point. Yeah. There's, well, there's a double standard there, isn't there? Uh, there's about 600 yeah. different double standards. Yeah. I wish it was for Adidas, right? She's seen as something of a bit of a fierce feminist, which is great. And she's in a little dress and some new trainers and some socks. And she's got really hairy legs. And she was just saying that she wanted to put aside a different version of femininity. But the backlash has been, like, ludicrous. Just, oh, is this what we've come to now, you know? uh." Well, I mean, regardless of the rape threats, which are obviously uncalled for in any circumstance, Mm -hmm. the very fact that people get angry that a woman has hairy legs baffles the shit out of me. But what I will say is a couple of months ago, a friend of mine put something on her Facebook page along the lines of shaving your armpits or not shaving your armpits. What do we think, people? Now, I don't know if she was thinking of, hey, I might stop shaving my armpits. Whatever. In the general hive mind that Facebook threw up on her page, there was an awful lot of people saying that having unshaved armpits was disgusting. Literally threw up. Vomited. what I found staggering about it is a huge amount of those people were women. 
I think it's one of those things, though, that I, I don't particularly like the feel of it on me, but I'm sure that's only because of societal pressures when mm. I'm, I was younger meant that because I'm very dark haired when I was at school and my mum did not let me shave my legs for ages until I was well I say for ages till I was like 12 or 13 I got teased relentlessly because girls had to wear skirts as well at my school for having hairy legs and in the end remember my mum had said that if I I got it wrong I would probably bleed to death thanks mum and I snuck home and got in the bath and shaved it and did actually nick the back of my leg and I thought well that's it I'm I'm dead I'm gonna bleed out and I didn't but yeah it was the thing to conform, and I think because then I've carried on doing it, it feels weird to me, but I don't know, in winter, just under the tights, no one cares. You remember in um, the 90s, Julia Roberts at the premiere of yeah. Notting Hill oh, yeah. and, like, the furore around her armpit, um, her armpit hair. And I can't, I can't remember if she ever made any comment about it or what she said, but... But everyone just went absolutely batshit. But about I might it, consider they? that something like that might fall into the remit of disgusting if women didn't naturally have it and what they did was scout around in drains looking for old pubes and then they stuck <laughs> them on under their arms. That I might think. I've made a wig yeah. for my armpit. <laughs> or if like you grew your armpit hair really long like uh, Mr. Twit's beard and it got food stuck in it. Yeah. That, I mean, that would be that awful. Would be logistic. I have another friend who gave up shaving her armpits and I had a long conversation with her about it and she said that most people say things to her like oh it makes me more sweaty and it's and actually all of that stuff is biologically inaccurate it's there for a purpose yeah armpit hair the point isn't that you know it's worse to have it it's that's just the natural state of affairs to have armpit Mm. hair and your body knows what to do with the sweat when you have it but it's the natural state of affairs not to have lipstick on or eyeliner both of which I have on today, you know. So, I don't know. Is it disgusting if I I don't wear lipstick? I do shave my armpits because it takes 30 seconds. Yeah. Were it a job that took an hour... I quite possibly wouldn't bother doing it. Oh, I know, but it's like the old... The armpits, you're just like, sort that out because it'll take 30 seconds. But if you're in a rush, you might not bother with your legs, right? Oh, absolutely. I've shaved my legs for ages. The legs are a bit more, you know you got to factor in time for that shit, like... Yeah. Have you seen the picture? Yeah, I have, yeah. It does look incongruous because we're so used to yeah, seeing course, that kind of, of thing. Course, it is quite not, shocking. Yeah. But obviously the, the perfect woman, we all know this, come mm. on, we've been taught well, is entirely smooth and silent. And uh, yeah. we're back to Samantha, the heavily soiled sex robot. Oh, yeah. Poor Samantha. Just before our gig in Cheltenham, I managed to snaffle a little bit of time with the absolutely marvellous Ray Earl. She is a very excitable creature, and we adore her for it. But if you can hear some tapping, that'll be Ray making her point using the table. You can hear my full interview with Ray on this week's Sunday Chops. Without further ado... Hello. Hi, Mickey. How are you? I'm just about to introduce you. Oh, sorry. How did I look? (laughs) Anyway, I'm with Ray Earl. She's chipping in early, but we'll let her off because she's pretty awesome. How are you, love? I am slightly jet-lagged. Just warning, slightly jet-lagged. Okay. Which means I'm slower than I would normally be on the uptake. Bit of buffering, bit of buffering. Uh, How slow? What kind of prep do I need to do? You probably wouldn't notice, but I feel a bit slower than normal. But yeah, bit bit jet-lagged still from 26 hours in the economy, like... Crunched oh, up. Oh, wow. But fine. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, good. You look like you've properly unfurled. 
Ray has written a new book. I have. You've written a new book. It's called It's All in Your Head, A Guide to Getting Your Shit Together. Although there is an asterisk on the cover. Yes. Yeah? Because we are very aware that some people might find the word shit quite confronting. What is wrong with well, that? Who's, who's well, finding shit confronting? I think there are some people who do that. So we, we cater for all audiences by just putting a little star there. It's probably fine. So, yes. Tell me a little bit about it. Okay, well, it's a mental health guide. There are lots of mental health guides and self-help guides out there, but I just felt that having had many decades in this brain that I have been blessed, stroke, cursed with, <laughs> that um, I had some practical tips to offer on, on how to manage heads and manage heads that are going a bit wrong or a bit odd or a bit weird and, and how I've just gone from being that person in the psychiatric ward to a sort of fairly semi well functioning person now are you allowed to self-diagnose that <laughs> <laughs> i've got a lovely doctor who says i'm quite fine oh that's good yeah she's really nice great boots tights combo every time i see her four kids and that's what she's you fantastic. want in a doctor oh my god and and fully you know honest about the whole menopausal experience she's a goddess and i love her and she says i'm okay so i think i'm probably okay I have read the book and I found it incredibly warm and very funny and it had all those brilliant practical tips. The book's sort of aimed at young adults, isn't it? Yeah, um, absolutely, but I've had a few people get in touch and say that they found it quite useful later on. And do you know what? These problems don't stop when you're, when you're 18 or 25 or 45. Mental health problems are, and mental health issues and looking after your head is kind of a lifelong thing as it would be your body yeah. but we just don't seem to see it that way which is ludicrous it's so weird isn't it because people like, you're told to look after your body and to stay fit and to look after your heart but brains until fairly recently just did not get a look in when actually they are the boss of everything absolutely so you know you're eating your special K and going for a run but you're doing fuck all for don't, everything <laughs> don't do that at the same time kids you will you test. will vomit <laughs> <laughs> You said I did vomit, but I've seen joggers vomit. I know you said you're a runner. Yeah. I'm a walker. Are you a walker? Oh, I'm a walker. I can't be doing... Bar the London Marathon when I was forced to run, but that was just... Oh, of course, forced. you mentioned in the book that you trained for that. Yeah, because I get it in every... I did the London Marathon. Don't be told that the wall can't be scaled. It can be scaled. It did take me seven and a half hours. But you still did it. That's amazing. Yeah, but when you're lapped by a Dalek, it's pretty depressing. <laughs> I mean, when you see a battalion of the army carrying a, like a ten-ton cannon going past you, that is a, is a moment of life that you never forget. But yeah, I got there. I finished. And that was the point. But yeah, I'm, I'm a walker. Walking. Oh, my God. If, you, if you're down, if you're anxious, go for a walk. Seriously. It sounds like a simple thing, but it's such an easy thing to do. But it I helps. think it's, it's changing the focus, isn't it? Yes. And actually the act of doing something or get on a bus or get on a train you know if anywhere there's public transport just go somewhere get out of the house I think I spent far too much time in my bedroom and when I realized I could actually get out and go somewhere that helped no end so why did you decide to write the book now what made you decide to write it now well because I'm perimenopausal and I don't give so much of a shit these days if you're, if you're putting yourself out there it's, it's very well I put myself out there with a TV series and then you know that's very well documented that I'm an anxiety sufferer mm -hmm. an OCD sufferer and all these things I've been in the psychiatric ward and you know what the reaction I've got has been fairly bloody lovely yeah. um, it wouldn't have put anybody off 
sharing what I've shared because people have been just adorable in the main you get the odd cock but tell me in what part of life you don't get the odd cock oh they're, they're everywhere mate. they're everywhere cocks are omnipresent so <laughs> we just accept that fact and we move on so uh, just just a note to the podcast listeners that uh, Ray and I are surrounded by cocks right now <laughs> a sea of cocks <laughs> actually we're in an empty ballroom with chandeliers this is the weirdest the place I've ever done the it's the shining we're basically in the shining oh, see I preferred my it's the ghostbusters where they go and get slimer yeah, because you, you're trying to scare the shit out <laughs> But you don't. You tell me you don't watch horror films. I don't so watch why horror would films. you know? That was bad. The Shining. Yeah, have you seen oh, that? I started my period this morning. It was basically the lift scene. <laughs> <laughs> really? It's horrific. I'm with you. And uh, how old are you? Sorry. Forty. Oh, it gets worse. Oh, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Hi. Thanks, Mal. You have always put yourself out there. That's you know why people know you. And. I think it, I couldn't have done it at 25 and I probably couldn't have done it... Oh, and I did do it 10 years ago because the book's been out for 10 years. So I did it then and... But I'm older. It's fine to say now. And we, we live in different times as well. There's less of a stigma now. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of why I wrote the book. I felt that we tackled the stigma, but then it was like, I've got OCD. And now what? Because sometimes there isn't the... I'm not having got anybody in cams which is child and adolescent mental health care they're mm-hmm. fabulous but often they're understaffed under-resourced mental health care still doesn't get the the attention that it should so i wanted to just talk about if you do get that diagnosis or you do have those feelings what you can do and how you can help to make that better before the treatment gap yes. before you get actually professional treatment and how you can manage it after you've had professional treatment as well because if you get professional treatment for a condition you go on a high. I remember skipping down Royal Road in Stamford listening to Enya, Orinoco Flow. And, and you can pull a face. I know you told me you got Led Zeppelin on your phone and you pull and everything. I don't give a shit. Because I will say now, I don't... Yeah, I'll sail away with Enya. It was freaking fine at the time. It was... I'll stand by it. I remember feeling ecstatic, thinking, I'm cured, everything's fine. But life isn't that simple. No. So it's just about how you deal with it ongoing in life. Because I still do, I still get anxiety, I still get OCD, it still tries to burble up like Etna, so it has to be controlled. What I loved about the book was, there was a lot of stuff that I recognised having gone through similar things myself, and a lot of aspects of the toolkit I have made for myself, that you have That's, also put a toolkit I'm together. I'm so glad you said that, Matthew, because I absolutely... I'm all about making a toolkit for yourself. And mm-hmm. you notice in the book, when I talk about depression, I don't talk about me, I talk about my mum. Yeah. Because she has had it, and this is an odd thing to say, in a, in a way that I think is far more pure than, than I've had it. Because I had anxiety and OCD, which will inevitably lead to feeling dreadful. Yeah. But the depression that she has is that depression that is that fog that comes over you, the blinds come down, yeah. and you don't know. I can see it happening. Her eyes go. It's It's... You know, it's it's there, it's palpable. So I wanted to talk about how she's dealt with that over the years because she's 75 and she comes from a time when... It wasn't talked about. Oh, and yeah, the, any yeah. treatments were barbaric as well. And she had barbaric treatments. Oh, did she? Absolutely. She really did. And, you know, especially as a working-class woman and a very smart one. It's she's whip-smart. But it's not actually that long ago that your husband could have you committed because you were a hysterical woman in dirty comments. Absolutely. I was just about to say the fact that she was a working class woman would not have helped her cause. Luckily, I would say I think we had, a for the time, I think we had a good family doctor. He'd Mm -hmm. been in the military and I think 
a lot of military people now and then have a far more sophisticated view of mental health, perhaps because they've been exposed to, which is surprising. You think they'd be tougher, and yet now, but actually, no surprise to me that old Prince Harry has got involved with stuff like that because post-traumatic stress disorder. And when you think, I think loads of the older generation that I grew up with all had that. They never talked about it. Yeah. But a lot of them were quite brutal. A lot of them were quite violent. Perhaps they'd seen things that we can't even imagine. Mm-hmm but weren't allowed to talk about it. And it was all this suppressing emotion. But it's got to come out somewhere. It was all bullshit. And this is why I hate it when the older generation go, oh, this generation of snowflakes. Get fucked. So were you. So were you. Everybody's a snowflake when they're... I hate that term. Everybody's vulnerable when they're young because being young sucks. You have not got the experience. Everything feels heavy. Everything feels like a nightmare. It's difficult being young, whatever generation you're in. People are talking more about mental health issues. Yeah. You have a lovely phrase that you refer to your brain as being a mixed-up mind, which I think is lovely because... I don't think we've all got one. Yeah, absolutely. Mental health isn't just mental illness. It's trying to keep it ticking, That's right? what I've tried to write about, that, you know, even when you're, you're feeling well, you've still got to look after it. Like, you would... You, bloody rest of your body don't yeah. put fucking your bloody abs if your mind's gone it's ridiculous <laughs> it's ridiculous what are you talking about no exactly right yeah yeah why do you think people are becoming more open about it what do you think's changed I think we had some great um, pioneers who were it takes brave people at the at the top of the chain I think to talk about it so I will talk about the classics. I think Stephen Fry doing that documentary yeah. was was massive. Because when a national treasure, I, I know that phrase is debated, what does it mean? But you can't. Oh, no, he's, he's gets no, he gets it. No, If you made him king, I don't think there'd be a lot of... Can we make that happen? Well, that's... What, what power do you have in this realm? The trouble with me is, is that I know I'd be great leading... Start petition. Well, I know I'd be great leading everything, but then again, I know I'd go full pole pot within about four days. Because it is ongoing, you do still have your episodes or moments where life's tough or old things kick in, triggers. I hate that word though. I hate that word. Usurped. It's it's like snowflake. It's it's used. Are you triggered by this? Oh, get fucked, you old shit. (laughs) (laughs) But you see, I don't get into arguments on Twitter. I just mute. Mm -hmm. I if I'm going to debate with you, we're going to do it face to face. We're not going to do it. In an it. empty ballroom. In an empty... <laughs> well, we're not doing... <laughs> and then we'll have I'm a dance-off. <laughs> Are you seriously? Absolutely, mate. I mean, it's classic podcast. <laughs> Can I just say, though? <laughs> In a way, I, it, it's embarrassing because I don't want to upset you, but oh, you really you'd be good. slain. Oh, mate. My groove oh, is perfect. Sorry, sorry. Um, Ray's just put a gauntlet on the floor. <laughs> Pretty sure. I, I mean, who doesn't want to listen to it? <laughs> My groove is noted. I'm not even joking. I've read about your groove. But it's freestyle, though. It's freestyle. It can't be trained. Sweetheart, with absolute love and affection, everything about you is freestyle. (laughs) I can't be be tempered. I've got to pursue my own groove. It's sort of a, a manual, but a lovely, funny, warm manual for kids and young adults and grown-ups who are going through these issues. Do you wish you'd had something similar when oh, God, you were younger? Yeah. I wish I'd known that the things I was I were thinking were... I felt like the... Lo- I felt so like a freak. Because with the OCD, you think the worst thoughts ever. You mm-hmm. think horrific thoughts. 
and they rush into your head they just jet into your head and you think god i'm awful or you worry that you've done something and there's the same part of you knows you haven't done it but there's this huge part of you that thinks you've punched someone and you start oh, the police will be around soon you know you haven't done it but you torture yourself it's, yeah. it's a very odd condition to describe to somebody who hasn't had it but if you've had it it's it's like your head's at war with, it's a civil war in your head uh-huh. if I had just had access to that when I was younger and known that it was something that other people had and something I could get on top of I have to say a great deal of my life would have been a lot, lot better. And I would have been able to enjoy it a lot, lot better. Which sounds really sad, but it is very, very true. A lot of my, well, a lot of my teens and early 20s would have been transformed. Absolutely transformed. And that's the problem with silence. If we don't hear about these things, we can't fix them. So what would you like readers to take away from the book? I'd like them to take the fact that everybody's a bit crackers. Mm-hmm. So when My Mad Fat Diary came out, there was a girl at school who was gorgeous and when I say gorgeous she was gorgeous then she was gorgeous in her 20s she was gorgeous in her 30s and she's bloody gorgeous in her 40s was she a cow? no oh god I know (laughs) she was lovely funny smart then she went to do an ethical job I know okay and I thought this person had their life sorted and then they totally I didn't solicit this at all they wrote to me and said, I've just read your book. I felt exactly the same way as you did. And to me, this person was the absolute pinnacle of everything a woman could be. Mm-hmm. And she felt exactly the same way. We're all bloody struggling with something. I know one person who, who isn't. And you can't tell just by looking at someone. You cannot tell. And you can't tell whether if somebody's famous, if somebody's successful, if somebody's rich, if somebody's poor. I mean, obviously that socioeconomic things do affect mental health we know that but you can't tell it's something that affects it goes right across the board hey you adorable soul thank you so much is that it i've talked bollocks i'm so sorry don't be sorry it was brilliant got off the point completely i love love a tangent it's going to be an interesting edit oh shit i'm so sorry but thank you so much for talking to us thank you for having me in this cluedo ballroom you're very welcome and now let's dance (laughs) Go on, you first. Okay. I never go first. We're here today with Jem Turner, blogger and winner of the inaugural Diversity and Media Blogger of the Year Award. All right? Well done, Jem. Thank you very much. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm good. This is like talking is my jam. <laughs> so I'm ready. <laughs> What flavour jam is your talking? Always strawberry. Always strawberry. Yeah. 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 Tell us about your award. What was that night like? That must have been really fun. That was like the weirdest night of my life so far. And I've had a lot of weird nights. <laughs> um, the only way I can describe it is, you know that person that watches all the junk TV? Like, I am that person. Reality TV. You know, I watch Loose Women this morning, etc. And then, I'm not sure they'd be pleased with you calling them junk TV, but oh we'll yeah, go with it. Don't tell them that. <laughs> Got this like tweet being like, "You've been nominated," and I was like, "What is this?" And then I looked at all the other people nominated, and I was like, "What, Lily Allen?" And different people like that, and I was like, "Well, that's exciting." And then eventually it came to it that I was invited to these awards, and yeah, on, on the night. I think when Harry Judd walked in, I was just like, 
Anyway, long story short, it was an amazing night, and I think I didn't really expect things to sort of grow as much as they have, and I'm obviously really grateful, and it was just surreal, and I think it's just sort of really showed me what, you know, could eventually happen in the future yeah. for my blog and things, yeah. which is really exciting. But yeah. So tell us about the blog, tell us what it's called, where we can find it, and like how you started it and why you started it yeah well i was thinking about this last night and i actually had a broken hip when i started the blog so i started it from my bed i was thinking of ways that i could sort of get my voice out because when people first meet me they're very shocked and you can sort of see that glaze of they're listening but they're not listening and it takes a while to sort of get comfortable mm -hmm. um, and i kind of thrive on that journey of going from glaze to like really having a good conversation sometimes it can take like five minutes sometimes it can take like half an hour depends on the person so i was like what's a way that i can get my voice out there i know i'll start a blog and it just started from there i didn't want to be that person talking about which is quite ironic now but disability all the time i wanted to talk about fashion and you know what i how i get clothes because that's a question that i get quite a lot Mm -hmm. So I started with that, but eventually, ultimately, it snowballed into talking about disability because I do love it, and people sort of come to me asking questions, and I make jokes, and I try and make it sort of laid back rather than something that people should fear. Yeah, and ultimately, it is your life. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I, I, I know that the disabled comedians before sometimes get a, a kind of, why do you always talk about being disabled? Well, everyone else talks about their life. Yeah. It is my life. It's just write about what you know, yeah. which is yeah. the key yeah. thing to good writing. It's true. And, you know, like, when I was at school, I would be like, oh, as if you just call me disabled. <laughs> which I don't know why, because now I'm like, I'm disabled. And eventually, when I got to uni, and, like, the best projects that I did were about being disabled. But that took a very long time to sort of, not accept, because that sounds really cheesy, but to just sort of allow it to be a part of me and not... Yeah. not let it be a negative thing which everyone thinks because you know people say you're not disabled you're able and I'm like oh stop I am disabled it's okay yeah the, I mean there is sometimes confusion around the terminology that people should use and mm. that is allowed how do you deal with that how do you because it sounds like you have people asking you what is the correct way to behave yeah yeah uh, I love it when people ask me I think people can be really ignorant and that can really ruin your day and people say oh well, I didn't mean it but to me that doesn't really matter I think it's the way you do it mm -hmm. and the way that it's meant um for example you know I can be in a taxi I'll just go in and someone says so do you crawl or walk or what do you do then and I literally I was like well I was going to talk about the weather but <laughs> you know yeah. we can start with that so it's things like that and I think I would rather be the person to you know, lay down the law and someone else sort of take over my private, you know, questions and details yeah. and things like that. So, yeah, I think, just ask. Just ask, but ask in a way that you would ask, you know, your friend. Yeah. Something, something about their life as well. You were saying earlier when you said that people's eyes, you get that, that glazed look. You think it's panic? Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. It's complete panic. People say the things that you shouldn't say because it's that panic like I'll get you got a license for that 
And you can see as soon as I said it, they'll be like, oh. <laughs> but they just carry on and they're like, oh, pretending that they're interested. And, you know, you can, you can kind of get it because when I get nervous, then I revert back. And I'm like, oh, drink and driving, what am I like? Yeah. But because I'm nervous as well, so I totally get, I get that panic. So I try and sort of bring people in and have a chat and eventually say, you know, don't don't say things like that because, you know, it's a chair, that's it. Yeah. Let's move on. No, okay. I, I, was, I was interesting to ask you about children because I think sometimes children are uh, amazingly good at things like this because they yeah. are just honest and they will just say... For example, I mean, to me, like, why are you fat or why why why, <laughs> yeah. why is your hair two different colours? Yeah. And and children don't attempt to dress it up in anything other than no. I'm really really interested in this. Right. Yeah. Now. When I had quite bad acne, my little brother said, "Why have you got lots of red freckles?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. quite cute. <laughs> <laughs> Not to a teenager. Oh well, like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that recently I did um, a vlog about that and about how parents should react when kids say things. Yeah. Because like you said, kids are brutal. But I love it because I was brutal when I were a kid. Like, if I saw a tall person, I'd be like, wow, mummy, look at him. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's different, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but I always try and say, like, it's really important what parents do after because, you know, that can really shape who you are as a person when you're older as well. So if you drag your child away and say, yeah. don't look, you know, when they get older, you can see people just don't want to look at me. I just think it's so important that, you know, we do have a laugh about it. And if someone says, kids will say things like, Mummy, look at that baby. And I'm like, I've got lipstick on. Come on. <laughs> I've really made an effort here. Are you not supposed to put lipstick on babies? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quite possibly. You talk quite a lot in the blog about staring. That yeah. is clearly something that yeah. happens. How did you get used to that? That must be quite a journey for you to have gone mm. on this is like a really strong subject for me and I think when you're a kid it's okay because you're cute and you can be like oh look at it and it's you know it's nice it's a great noise <laughs> sorry probably not appropriate yeah, I liked it I liked it yeah. um, but when I think for me it was when I was a teenager and I started to notice my body changing and then people's reactions were changing from oh ain't she cute to oh she's like a little lady and that was hard for me that was when it changed and I was thinking are they looking at me because you know I've made an effort or are they looking at me well probably because I'm 2 foot 11 and I'm in a chair but mm. it, that was the time for me when I started to really get angry at people and you know if adults would laugh that's what really griped me you know especially coming from a little town you get sort of the gangs of men and young lads that sort of stare and take pictures and that's when it starts to get intimidating and that you know you've really got to build a skin of you know or just ignore them mm -hmm. but it takes a long time and it still you know there can be days and I'm just absolutely fuming at someone you know what I mean so it's it, it'll never be something that I get over but I'm not a very confident person as you can see but inside I'm still you know like ugh that's a it's a tough time for that to happen yeah. for anyone because when you're a teenage girl yeah I mean you don't know what the fuck's going on from one minute to the next within your own brain without people staring at you you yeah. immediately yeah. get paranoid yeah yeah it's it's difficult and it's sort of you know it's that whole thing of mocking little people so you, there's that side of it but then there's the wheel side 
and it's like de, de- compacting. I don't know what the word is. Compartmentalize. Compartmentalize. Oh, strong. <laughs> you trying to sort of you give it a reason, but actually, it's just because you're different. And it took me a long time to think. Stop thinking about the ins and outs. You know, yeah. just because you're different, and people can't deal with change and difference. Difference is what terrifies people. Yeah. Someone standing out. And yeah. Just like, oh, I don't have the equipment to deal with this. Yeah, yeah. That's why, like, the awards were so good as well, because it's sort of celebrating difference instead of... Yeah, I mean, the, just, just if, you, if you weren't aware that, if, for listeners, diversity was celebrated women, people of colour, yeah. LGBT and yeah. disability within the media, which yeah. is, yes, yeah, a really important thing, I think. Do you ever get a lot of feedback from people who read your blog? Do you find you get people who also have disabilities coming to you, or is it people just with loads of questions and Mm. the sort of... It's sort of two groups. It's your people that, I think, because I'm quite a tame, disabled activist, that's why I was like, I'm not sure if I'm an activist, which I definitely am. In my brain I am, but I I don't think I portray the classic activism, but actually maybe I do, I don't know. There's loads of different ways of doing it, I suppose. Yeah, you know, yeah. The fact that you're talking about it yes. is yeah. active. Well, that's true. That is very true. But yeah, so you get you get the people that are really inquisitive and they want to know and they're curious, but then you get disabled people that have sort of been through that as well and um, you know, starting to build that community, which is really nice. So what's up next for you? I think just keep going, keep doing the blogs, keep trying to you know, tell people about myself if they want to listen. That's another thing, it feels a bit like I'm just sort of, you feel like you're talking to yourself and then you get a comment and you're like, oh, someone read it. Yeah. Which uh-huh. is really nice. Yeah, keep doing me, keep doing the training with Enhance the UK, that's something that I'm really enjoying, sort of doing the professional side as well as blogging. What does that entail then? So, uh, Enhance the UK are a big charity um, about disability awareness, so... They talk a lot about relationships and sex as well, because um, when you think of disabled people, no one ever says like, "Whoa, they're fit." You know what I mean? Like, you just don't have that conversation. So they're really good at sort of challenging that stigma, um, and I joined them this January. I'm only just sort of talking about sex and disability and things like that because I've sort of grown up. I have been grown up where I don't talk about that because people don't talk about it. I think that just is across the board. Yeah. That's fair enough. Yeah. 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 I mean, it makes Hannah yeah. just very, very uncomfortable. Yeah. But is this feeling like a responsibility for you then, that maybe you wouldn't have chosen? Because for people to start talking about it, someone needs to be the people who start talking about That's it. That's true. That is very true. I think it's more the fact that I joined, you know, Enhance the group and it opened my eyes to, well, maybe I do want to start talking about it. I think you know we're brought up as a society that you know it's awkward if disabled people talk about sex and I just get really angry now that that's a thing um and you know when I when I'm around and the enhanced group they empower me and they feel like you know I am attractive which I've never said before you know before I did it for me and I did it because of the you know the barriers and things like that Mm -hmm. whereas now I'm like I do look good and that's taken a long time and I've never had a, a proper relationship because of that feeling of I'm not attractive yeah. and now I'm really angry that I've had that feeling for a very long time 
So now I'm trying to spread that message because I just feel like young adults yeah. should feel nice and they should feel attractive. Yeah. I had a bit of a run-in with the undateables. The uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. So don't, don't get me wrong, everyone's got different opinions about the undateables. I don't like it personally, but I've got friends who have been on it, etc. But the problem I had with them is that a producer messaged me on Facebook and said, do you want to be on it? And I just thought, why are you coming into my space and telling me that I'm undateable? That really upset me. Quite often find as women, yeah. when you, especially in like comedy and things, you end up carrying responsibility for other women. So therefore, if um, you do a bad job, yeah. you know... You are the representative. You are the representative. I suppose you're, you're going to have that in space as well with what you do because yeah. A, you're representing women, B, you're representing the disabled community. Yeah, it, it does feel weird. And I think I've had that ever since I was little as well because sort of, I went to mainstream school, so I was literally the only disabled person there. So I, I didn't have anyone else to sort of compare to, say, my high school as well. There probably was disabled people, but... Physically, you yeah. know, visibly. Mm-hmm. So when I got to uni and I, you know, met with other disabled people, I was like, wow, this is cool. This is, you know, we can talk about disabilities. It's it's okay. So now I kind of want to be that person that, you know, the the 15-year-old me that would YouTube Stella, I want to be, well, I, I, I'll never be like Stella, but, you know, someone that someone can read a blog and be like, oh, maybe I could do that as well, so... It's just trying to be another voice, and I think don't try. I try and tell myself don't get caught up in you're the only disabled person, and whatever you say goes. You know, in every blog I'll say this is my opinion, and I think it's really important to sort of say that you know there are pe- disabled people that will not agree with me at all, and I know that some disabled bloggers we don't really chat because we're not the same, and that's okay. Oh, I think I think the. Um... The last leg, yeah. um, obviously, has I quite often see debate on there, yeah. or, as in I don't think they should have made that joke. Come on now, I think that joke's fine. I yeah. think there is politics still around Definitely. what what whether you should be able to make a joke of disability or this is not. It. You know, like when you've got the last leg is hilarious, but then you know the three disabled men, three disabled men compared to three disabled women, is and even then, you know, if you're LGBT, you're black, yeah. you know, things like that, you you'll never have the same opinion and that's taken me a long time to sort of talk in the first place because I was worried about the backlash of what people would say Um, and after I finished uni I was the equality and diversity officer at the student union for two years so that was like a full-time job and that really opened my eyes to you know feeling the pressure of being the disabled representative Mm -hmm. that they would not had in years and people would ask me about physical access and I'd be like, well, this is what I think as a wheelchair user, but you know, you've got visually impaired, you've got deaf people, yeah. like, please don't say that this is the right answer. So, I've, you know, I, I think that's sort of my weakness in a way as well, that that's why I'm not confident at like 100% but, but at Well, I suppose in a way that's like intersectionality yeah, in feminism. Yeah. In that uh, uh, when we interviewed Liz, when... Uh, when we did Standard Issue magazine, she said to me that the richer you were, the less disabled you were, regardless of... Yes. Uh, so, obviously, being working class, being of colour, maybe difference between men and women yeah. are all, yeah, relevant. That's so true. And last night, I was thinking about 
this and I was thinking how, you know, I am privileged in that I can communicate really well and I can chat to people, but if you saw me physically doing things, that's when I'm like proper disabled. So yeah. people don't see my vulnerable side, they see my chatty side. So I'm sort of like the tame, comfortable activist. But if you saw me sort of doing my everyday thing, you'd see, you know, the bits that people would expect to see. Yeah. So it, it's really difficult to be open and honest when you've got sort of those thoughts in the back of your head all the time. Jen, yes. before we go, tell people where they can find you on Ooh. Twitter, on your where your blog is. Okay, so I've got a bit of a running brand. GemTurner.com is my website. Um, and then like my social media is just gem underscore turner that's twitter um, and instagram is the same so Lovely. come and say hello and have a chat and be nice <laughs> yeah we always don't, say that don't be a dick we're up, yeah. for, we're up for only polite conversations on yes. twitter if you'd yeah. like to join us I'm yeah. up for debate but you know I'll have a prosecco first and then, <laughs> and then I'll answer you <laughs> perfect thank you Hannah and I chatted a bit more to Gem about all sorts of things including why you should never call her an inspiration the full interview will be available as a bonus podcast and a second Sunday chops. You play ball like a girl! Go on, do one, kid. Jenny off the blocks. Welcome to Jenny off the blocks, our weekly boulder over the uh, bumpy wall of women's sport that was a bit rubbish wasn't it but hey but let's run with it let's run with it so first of all a couple of little shout outs this week for women's in sports who have done good things i can't say this woman's name at all but first of all claudia frangipane won bronze this week at the world floor gymnastics championships so that's good well done her england netball retained their european open championships title with a win over wales so that one's for you, to the listener who complained that we don't cover, in inverted commas, girls' sport, because I talk about women's football and whatnot, and I can't help but feel that they might have missed the point, just because I've never used my vagina to play sport, apart from, you know, the special kind, mum, sorry. If anyone ever told you that's how you play sport outside of the special kind, they were lying to you, you've been had. Also, another big shout-out to Norway, who announced last week that their international women's football team were going to be given equal pay to the men's national team, which means that it will basically double the women's pay, which is fantastic, and I know there are obviously arguments about... I mean, I'm all, always a bit sort of mixed on this, I think... If you do the same job, you should earn the same amount of money. And I think in domestic league football, certainly in the UK, they're doing the same job in that they're all kicking balls. But the men's game obviously brings in vast, vast amounts of money compared to the women's. I think in terms of the international game, sure, the men's team is it's more marketable. It does bring in more money, but they really are. You're not talking about like incomparable leagues. They really are doing the same job and... Just a massive, massive round of applause to Norway there because I really can't see any reason why that should be different. So, main event this week is uh, climbing is being added to the bill for the next Olympic Games in Tokyo 2020 and it was announced last week that British climber Shauna Coxey has confirmed that she's going to bid for a place in that. 
Now, I don't really know how I feel about climbing as an Olympic sport, and I can't really justify why I feel that way. But it does give me an opportunity to berate UK sport for their no win, no fee policy, if you will. And by that, I mean that they'll only fund athletes or sports where they have a, I think it's a viable medal opportunity, I think is what they call it, which to my mind is just bullshit. I know that I've said I'm not fully convinced that icy climbing is an Olympic sport. Again, just to caveat with, I've got no justification for that whatsoever. But... I have been climbing. I don't know if you ever read the series that I did for Standard Issue when we were an online magazine about trying different sports. And yeah, I tried climbing and it was fantastic. It's great fun and it's undeniably very good for you. And you can imagine a bunch of kids watching climbing in the Olympics and going nuts for it because it sort of looks a bit like Spider-Man clambering over a... I would imagine it will be a pretend rock face. And let's face it, they're going to be less likely to bother watching that if we're not nationally represented. It's the old chestnut. If you can't see it, you can't be it. So all of those kids will never realise that there was... um, Okay, we're going to call it a sport for the sake of argument. They are never going to realise that there was a sport that they might have liked and they're just going to sit on their asses forever watching The X Factor, which coincidentally means they're also never going to really know what good music is either. I blame the parents. But anyway, I'm digressing, as I always do. Coxie, I'm not referring to Sarah Cox. Coxie, Shauna Coxie, has been given interim funding and fuck knows what that means. But UK Sport will decide at some point in the future whether or not they're going to fully fund her. And while they're at it, how about funding the handball or basketball teams? I was thinking about this today when I was writing this and I cannot understand why we're not funding basketball. It's not a huge sport in the UK, but globally it's absolutely massive. I'm you know, I bet even Mickey knows who LeBron James is. But also the LA Sparks, who are the uh, women's team based in Los Angeles, are just the coolest, most amazing team ever, as far as I'm concerned, because I saw this thing on Twitter the other week where they put together a sort of montage of tweets that they received about women's sport basically being shit uh, compared to men's. More horrible things than that to a soundtrack of Sorry by Beyonce. Obviously, it's always about Beyonce, isn't it? And generally just look like fierce bastards. And it's absolutely beautiful. I I recommend you look it up. But again, another tangent. It's crazy to me that we don't fund basketball because also when you think about sort of climbing, for example, that's not a particularly easy sport necessarily to get into. You know, you have to be somewhere where there's a climbing wall. You have to have the kit. It's not cheap, whereas with basketball, for example, anyone can do that. You just need a court and 10 people and you're away. So it's crazy to me that sports like that that are so much more accessible and not being funded. But actually, we are only funding 16 Olympic sports and there's 33 Olympic sports at the Tokyo Games. Five of those are new sports, so they may well be getting interim funding, whatever that means. But that's bonkers, isn't it? That's less than half that we're funding because we deem that those are the ones that we have viable medal opportunities in. So I really like that we're up there on the medal table every time at the Olympics now. You know, for the last few Olympics, we've been up there and a real dominant force in sport. And I think that's great. But the reason for that is funding. And you do have to speculate to accumulate And to me, it's just so mercenary to say that we'll only back you if you're good enough. And it's really the wrong message to send to the world and and certainly children 
Because isn't like one of the fundamental life lessons that we teach little nippers, it's the taking part that counts. We're never going to get good at those other sports unless we back them financially. Also, when you look at dodgy messages, we still fund massively British cycling, which has undergone lengthy investigations over the last year into allegations of all sorts of things and general cultural fuckery. So again, like what, you know, when you look at that versus if you're not good enough, we're not going to help you get good enough. I just think it's, to me, that's just the wrong message. So UK Sport, I know I'm fighting a losing battle here because I'm certainly not the first person to say this and I doubt I'll be the last, but it is, it really is bullshit and it's it's not what sport should be about to my mind. So if you agree with me, disagree with me, either way, uh, feel free to give me a shout on at Inspiragen on the old Twitter and let me know what you think. It's would love to have your thoughts on it. Thanks very much for joining us and yeah, chat to you again next week. Welcome to Dunleavy Does Disney. And once again, there's a special guest in the room. Hello. Make yourself known. Hello. Oh, um, it's Sarah Millican. Da, da, da. <gasps> oh, you can come out from behind the curtain now. <laughs> I'm more comfortable behind the curtain if that's okay. Dunleavy, what Disney did you do this week? This week, I have been watching 1959's Sleeping Beauty, which is one of the trio of what's called classic Disney princesses. The last one we'll be watching in Dunleavy Does Disney because we've done the other two. Is that Snow White and Cinderella? That is Snow White and Cinderella. Mickey gets two points. I don't know why I've turned it into a quiz. Apparently, Sleeping Beauty was quite badly received when it was released. And as a result, Disney didn't have another princess until... Anybody want to have a guess? Ooh, ooh. um, I'm going to (laughs) say... Oh, I'm really excited now. Um, Pocahontas. She's not really a princess, princess. though, is she? Neither is Cinderella or Snow Um, White. Frozen? No. No. I don't know. I didn't know there was going to be a question. It's the Little Mermaid. She she is a fucking princess, isn't she? I think we all know how I feel about the Little Mermaid, so let's not dwell on that. Um, Having watched watched Sleeping Beauty now, I thought I had seen it. Now I've watched it. I don't think I had. I'm the same. I'm exactly the same. Nothing seemed familiar. Do you remember the programme that was on on a a Sunday or Bank Holiday Monday, like Disney Time or something, Mm. that was clips from Disney films? I think that's all I've seen. Yeah, bits of it were familiar and other bits I thought, what the hell is this? We obviously, Sarah has watched it. I've watched it like literally moments ago I finished it. It was quite a glamorous setting, wasn't it? I was in the car park on my own and people were looking going, what's that sound coming from the car park? And it was just me crying. If you're out there dreaming for the kind of glamorous life that Sarah Millican (laughs) leads. But I was kind of annoyed because I bought it on iTunes because I couldn't find any way of getting it for free. So I bought it at £14. What? Knowing I was going to probably hate it and never watch it again. And then it wouldn't play on my laptop. So I had to watch it on my phone. Oh, <laughs> dear God. That is a sad tale. <laughs> it is a sad tale. But then I was thinking if I was a parent, £14 for a, an hour and a quarter of quiet in the house. Have you guys seen it? I don't think I have, but I know the story really well because... Having worked in a theatre during pantomime season, we did do Sleeping Beauty and having done the press for it, I know there's some really nasty stuff behind the original fairy tale. Briar Rose. Oh, yeah. So I think we'll probably come back to that later because it's fucking horrific. I've seen bits of it, but I don't think I've seen the whole thing because I do actually remember we got the video out when I was a child and it didn't fucking work. 
And I was devastated well, that's, at the time. A theme. That's my, a theme there, then, I think. My dad once got Snow White. Have I told you this? Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs from a, like a hooky video from a blog at the pit where he worked. And when they brought it home, it was like a porno version. <laughs> that's actually, my dad once rented what he claimed was Sword in the Stone from a video shop. And it was actually a different <laughs> Yeah, different stone. Which is quite... Rap, oh, really? Yeah, really. Oh, it wasn't like so- sword in inverted commas in the pork stone. Oh, no, 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 no. It wasn't, it wasn't a porn film, but it was. <laughs> funny stuff. It, it was an 18 <laughs> like thing with people my, shagging in the opening scene. My auntie called it Snow White and the Seven Little Perverts. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, for anyone who hasn't seen this film, okay, the plot, as read from a book of fairy tales, presumably borrowed from Liberace, um, <laughs> there's a king and a queen, and they can't have a baby. And then they do have a baby and they are delighted, even though it is a little girl. Sarah's right, it's an hour and 15 minutes long. It opens with a really long credit sequence, which I think means children in 1959 had way better patience than children now. Because I can't imagine that children now would sit through three minutes of terrible music with just names coming up on the screen. Choral stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the opening scene is terribly badly animated. And I couch that in the terms of I understand the answer to the question of how many good animations have you made, Hannah? Zero. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, I'm really this disappointed is... that that wasn't at least one there yeah. that we could watch. This is really, Did really you ever bad. Even do like the little flipbook thing. This is what it feels like. Yeah. It feels a bit like one of those oh, flipbooks. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible. Everybody turns up to the palace because the princess has been born. They're carrying these banners and they're singing this terrible song. I'm not going to sing it for you, but if you just want to try and imagine it, it's pretty much what I think was happening in the offices of the Daily Mail <laughs> on the day that Princess Charlotte was born. <laughs> <laughs> The little girl is called Aurora after the dawn, presumably because calling her Princess Dawn was out of the question. <laughs> it also sounds like um, a really bad it uh, like a paint. singer or something. I think it sounds like a like shade a Dulux. of Dulux. Yeah. What colour would it be? Like pink, I think, probably. Because oh, it's like Princess dawn. Sort of pinky. Pale yellow. I'm thinking kind of sunrisey kind of scenario. Okay, kind of peachy. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to rag roll the corridor in Princess Dawn. <laughs> That sounds like something happens at a Christmas party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was no room on the photocopier for my tit, so I just rag-rolled Princess Dawn down the corridor. So they have this big party, and everyone's at the party, and the three fairies, who are called Flora and Fauna and Merryweather, turn up to give the baby some gifts. Our first gift is the gift of beauty. Because that's the most important thing. Yeah. The second gift is the gift of song. But before the third fairy can give her gift, she is interrupted by Maleficent who is a bad fairy. Um, And just FYI, we never find out what Merriweather's original gift was going to be. But based on the gender stereotyping of the first two gifts, I'm guessing it was either massive tits or (laughs) selective mutism. (laughs) Or like really good at dishes or something like that, yeah. Fashion! Maleficent is pissed off because she wasn't invited to the party, so she curses the baby by saying that before her 16th birthday, she'll prick her finger on a spindle and die. I mean, she's not going to get any more party invites with that kind well, of action. Well, I, no, see, I, I would I, say it's the worst present ever, but that said, somebody once bought my brother a paintballing <laughs> experience for one. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Did he go? No. Oh. <laughs> just shoot himself in the face. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Oh, just... Wouldn't you just be able to shoot other people? Yeah, but wouldn't you look a bit like that really over-the-top guy who turned up to paintball by himself just to run around it's and shoot other It's all a bit Raoul Moat, isn't it? It's a bit <laughs> much. 
Which is actually Gascoigne's going to like pop up with a can of. So Meriwether sort of undoes the curse, or half undoes the curse, by saying that she's not going to die; she's going to fall asleep, which she does in the style of an improvised poem. Which until recently I would have set my artistic license alarm off, but we did go and see Showstopper the other day, didn't we? And now yeah. I believe that anything is possible. The king decrees that all spinning wheels must be burned. Because uh, condemning... he doesn't understand how magic works. <laughs> yeah, condemning many to a life of poverty and ruining jumper fashion for the next 16 years. He then proceeds to let all the horses out of the stable and then lock the doors. <laughs> yeah. spinning wheel have a prick on it? It's What's... a needle, mate. Does it have a needle? Yeah. Is that right, how they do work? This. I don't know. My mum used to have one. Really? Yeah. How old does your mum <laughs> 954. Uh, no, she's just like, Jenny, you know. Jen's named after the loom, isn't yeah. it, Jenny? She's just like, she just likes a bit of arts and crafts, this mm. cat. Has she yeah. ever fallen asleep for a really long time? No. 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 I wondered who was policing the fairies because surely she can get away with anything she likes if nobody's policing. Why isn't there like a fairy police yeah, well, there that can be. stop her yeah. in her tracks? Because that's just. That community is going to go to shit, isn't it? Yeah. The crazy in the name, really, isn't it? Maleficent. Yeah. You know, it's a bit like... Well, if you call your kid that and then your kid grows up to be a twat, I think you've only got yourself to blame. But if your kid is born with horns, what else are you going to name it? (laughs) Ram? There's nothing else you can do. It's tricky, isn't it? (laughs) Has she got horns? Yeah. It's not, I like mean, a it headdress. might just be an outfit. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's like, she's obviously really rolling with the name, yeah. isn't she? She's in like, that, some I'm going to. People gonna... have like woolen hands, don't they? Or that could be gloves. I don't know. <laughs> 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 I get mixed up. I'm sorry. So, anyway, the, the fairies, the good fairies, they hatch this plan where they decide they're going to go and live in the forest and they're going to raise the child as their own Can in I secret. Ask at this point, do you know how they made money? No. Because they just. They leave their job as like the Queen's fairies yep. and they go and live in the woods and they raise a child for 16 years. Nobody says whether they got any kind of, you know, money or any kind of family allowance or anything like that for no. her. And there's no, they don't seem to make any money. And they have, in the whole time they've been there, they don't really learn how to. Well, like, we'll get to that because they're not allowed to use any magic at all. And yeah. they've been using their magic why? up to this point. Why? And also, and they why don't, have they there taken is... her away? Because they, oh. she's in hiding, yeah. so that that prick a finger. Maleficent. Oh, of course, yeah. can't find her to get her. Trying finger to, you know, minimise the risk. Because it's all of the all of the spinner wheels just yeah. sorted the problem. The film would be like twelve minutes long. Yeah, right, I mean, okay. it would be better. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but <laughs> so that's the setup. Then the film fast forward to the night of the princess's sixteenth. Well, actually, to the day of the princess's sixteenth birthday. She's living in the cottage. She's now called Briar Rose, like some kind of Beatrix Potter creature. And she spends her time just smiling and trilling at nature. Um, <laughs> trilling at nature. If anything sums her up, it's the statement. They say that if you dream a thing more than once, it's sure to come true, which, like all great Disney statements, is both completely saccharine and completely untrue. Because if that was true, I'd currently be apologising for being completely unprepared for this and wondering where my trousers were. <laughs> <laughs> so, up at Mordor... Or wherever it is, the evil fairy Melissa. It's really hard. Just call her Melissa. It's easier. Melissa is is well angry, possibly because I've changed her name. (laughs) And she questions her minions, which are a really weird variety of creatures. I can't Mm. work out what they're supposed to be. They sort of look pig monkeys, is the best I could come up with. (laughs) The pig monkeys is quite good. They've got a lot of teeth and they've got. They can wield an axe quite well for a pig monkey. Surprising for me. Oh, that sounds But they're all grey. Yeah. And they all look completely different, but yet you're supposed to believe that they're all sort of the same thing. They're kind of trolls. Yeah, kind of. Maybe. 
She but Googled not like that. the fun ones on the end of your pencil. Not like that. Anyway, she questions the, the, these minions about why they've not managed to find Aurora after all these years. And it's at that point she discovers that they are still looking for a baby. Oh, God. Right. Because they're pig monkeys. Yeah, <laughs> possibly. But I think All it, their brains really, gone into axe-wielding. I think it really does underline the need for regular staff appraisals. I know everyone <laughs> hates them. But, you know, you yeah, shouldn't have she, waited 16 yeah. years to find out. If she annually, yeah. she'd have sorted that out year one. She would have. The film would be yeah. over. They were stupid as fuck. Stupid as pig monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why the famous yeah. saying originated. <laughs> <laughs> So the undercover princess, she's out singing at wildlife, as you do, in the woods. And I should probably say, I don't know where this is. I can't work out where it's supposed to be set. in a land far, far away. Did you not listen to the beginning? (laughs) Like Star Wars. It is a land. It is a land. What I will say about this world far, far away is that the squirrels are the same size as the owls, which scares me a little bit. I reckon that's about right, isn't it? But it's a better fight between an owl and a squirrel if they're the same size. Why are they fighting? Owls aren't that big. But just if they did. Oh, Oh, no. My cat lost a fight to a squirrel. and Lost? Yeah. Where was your jitsu? jitsu. Uh, But my cat was enormous. We had to stop feeding our squirrels fat balls because we were worried about the cholesterol because they sort of, they can like just nail about five fat balls in about 20 minutes. They start to slump. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they were just quite fat. So So, wherever this mystery place is of squirrel giganticism... um, the princess who doesn't know she's a princess meets the hilariously named Prince Philip, <laughs> who is in the Disney Racist. scheme. No, <laughs> I would say he's an averagely unappealing Disney prince. He's certainly an improvement on Prince Charming in that he actually mm. does speak. But if you want my honest opinion, there's a bit where a lot of the animals in the wood dress up in his clothes and pretend to be a prince. And I can say hand on heart, I would rather marry a pile of owls and rabbits in a coat <laughs> than marry him. <laughs> but that's just me. She feels otherwise. So they plan a second date all while she is running away from him, which I have to say the idea of that that is how all second dates would be made amused the shit out of me for ages. Because doesn't she say, um, he said, when will I see you again? And she says, never. Yeah. And then he said, no. And she says, okay, tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> and then she's shouting back over her shoulder, I live in the cottage. <laughs> and then the rabbits were in the boot bouncing along at the same time. That's one of my favourite bits of it, yeah. if I'm honest. He sounds like my dream. Yeah. <laughs> Owl Collection rabbit. Collection of man. My yeah. life. Like Wildlife man. <laughs> anyway, this date, <laughs> this date never happens because instead she finds out she's the princess. She gets whisked back to the palace where she's immediately tricked into touching the spindle. She falls asleep. Philip's fucked off in the woods looking to get a bit of second day action. So he can't come back and snog her back to life. So the fairies put everyone to sleep. This is lovely. I think it's a real... Did you like that? That they put everybody... Like, if she's asleep, then everybody's Everyone asleep. Knows. It's a bit like they could do that about Trump. Like, yeah. could we all just be put to sleep <laughs> until he's been impeached or whatever is yeah. going to happen? <laughs> and then we can all wake up again and it's a nicer world. Oh, we could all just be Bobby Ewing in Dallas. <laughs> just all of us in a collective shower. Just one massive shower. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Philip eventually comes back. He fights a dragon. Oh, yeah. Shit gets real. What the... F- yeah. I there don't is remember any of this. Melissa's got, in... a, Melissa's got a dragon. And Where did the, the spindle come from? The it's magic. It's all magic. This is when they burnt them all, and you're like, they don't understand how magic works. She just went, oh, I've just magicked well, another, another one. one. Yeah. yeah. I think it's an indication of how badly animated this is that there's a bit where the dragon turns up, and it's a bit of a shock because, I mean, it's who was expecting a dragon? Not Philip. No, so I they wasn't. cut to Philip's face, 
and you just get a single take of Philip's face that lasts for ages and it doesn't move at all. And it's just like solid animation. And there's no expression on it. That is like every second date I've ever been on. Is that like (laughs) at the end of a scene in Made in Chelsea where like the camera just sort of lingers for an awkward period of time while they all (laughs) stare at each other? After like the I've revelation, it. you should Sorry. watch it. It's just for that bit. Yeah, that's my favourite thing about minutes. it is the awkward pause at <laughs> the end they of every scene. On the, the same uh, like still, and they just get closer and closer. Well, no, but it, I, it does feel like a comedy meme waiting to happen. Mm. That every time someone does something shocking, you just cut to Philip's face. And also, when going, you say zoom in, you mean colour things in that are bigger. <laughs> that's how animation works, right? But I meant more like that they sweep the camera in. Like, oh, there's no sweeping. Like, no sweeping. No, no. Um, anyway. <laughs> He gives her a kiss. She wakes up. Everybody lives happily ever after. They all wake up. The end. Everybody wakes up. Sorry, what happens to the witch? He fights her. He kills her because she is. Oh, is she the dragon? She is sort of the dragon. Right. She sort of manifests as a dragon. She dies. Everybody lives happily ever after. Did you like it? No. Well, actually, I'm going to say mostly no because it's really crap in parts. And in many ways, it's worse than Snow White and Cinderella because it's not very well animated. But on the other hand, the three fairies, Flora, Fauna and Merryweather, are actually pretty charming. I didn't think you thought anything was charming. Well, it's (laughs) it's funny you should say that because there was a bit where they are, as Sarah was saying, they're like completely, they are absolute bumbling fucks, these women. They've never existed without magic. We go to a bit where they're trying to make a birthday cake. Uh, how they've been eating up until this point, because well, exactly. none of them 16 years, they've yeah. looked, at, uh, looked after this baby and they can't make a dress or make a cake. And that's, make a dress, fair enough. But they can't make a cake. They've not tried in 16 She's yeah. never had She's a birthday cake. She's never had a birthday cake. What kind of thing? women are they? But that exactly. said, that said, when she does attempt to make a birthday cake and she makes it and she doesn't bake it and then she tries to ice it first i was watching that realized i was actually smiling oh. seriously smiling that i don't think that's happened once so far were you also thinking of something that makes you happy at the same time and it or? wasn't i wasn't smiling because i thought oh there's a good joke there i was smiling because i thought this is pretty charming and i say they're idiots when they sneak her back to the tower they put her in a disguise but they all dress exactly the same but also i think they're quite irresponsible because when they said oh we can't use our ones for 16 yeah. years they don't use their ones and then when they decide okay in order to have the cake and the dress we're going to have to get the ones out because we're clearly shit at this they get the ones out and they get so carried away with one changing her dress to blue and one changing it to pink that they don't realise that all of the magic from the ones is going out of the chimney and therefore alerting yeah. Melissa the dragon woman yeah. uh, I think I've <laughs> misunderstood some of it uh, to do the fact that they exist and that they're in the woods yeah. when they finally get her back into the tower they leave her unattended which is something so stupid they they actually comment to themselves later. That was a really stupid thing to do. <laughs> they try to push a brick wall for ages before they realise they can actually magic their way through it. When they, they you know, when they do the cleaning, do you, they, so they have one of them is making the cake, one of them is doing the dress, and one of them is oh, you got the fat one always has to do the cleaning, which seems very yeah. unfair. I felt for her. <laughs> she had to do the cleaning. She didn't just go like house clean. She went like mop in bucket and then yeah. <laughs> mop going across the floor and I thought there's a quicker way of doing it I yeah. mean I'm not a magician but You'd there's think a there quicker would be, way of doing it. certainly this. there would be a tutorial um, like a YouTube tutorial <laughs> a YouTube that tutorial. you could do and Meriwether does this thing where she shakes her ass when she's annoyed like a cat that's about to you know, <laughs> oh, jump on yeah. and miss a mop <laughs> and she sort of leans forward and she does this with her arms and she shakes her ass and she goes ooh and I actually genuinely wish that people did that in real life when they were angry. <laughs> I think that would just be really charming and people would probably fight. It'd kill less. road rage. 
road rage um, would stop. So in the question, answer the question, road. did I like it? No. Did I like bits of it? Yeah. Normally I watch a thing that I liked as a kid and then I hate as an adult because it's not me and, me yeah. and also I'm older and I've lived more and all those things. I remember thinking it was rubbish as a kid, but I think it's because all I've seen is those clips. Yeah. And I quite liked it. It was slow and it was too long. And given that it was an hour and 15, that's not a good sign. I think it would have made a bang and half an hour, quite frankly. But there were bits of it that I genuinely enjoyed. Yeah. it's It seems to be... One that's kind of been shoved in the cupboard, especially when you see it hadn't been. I don't know how many. It's not been re-released an awful lot, though, has it? No, no. not as much as as some of the other Snow ones, White the more showier ones. Yeah, mm. it stems from like an original fairy tale, which is absolutely horrific. In what way? So she pricks her finger on a piece of hay, actually, originally, and she falls asleep. She's sensitive, isn't she? She's very sensitive. <laughs> She's got special creams and stuff. Right. So she falls asleep, and the prince comes along and finds her asleep in this tower, fucks her anyway. No! Yeah, and she gets pregnant, and she has babies, and then one of the, she has twins, and the one of the babies, the baby boy, likes to sort of suck on her finger while she's still sleeping, and he sucks out the hay that had gone in and made her go to sleep and then she wakes up and the prince comes back and gets and they get married but the reason he's come along and just fucked her is that he's actually already married so then oh my god killed his old missus that feels like a lot lovely. of a lot of evil to colour in that it's classic like disney sort of thing can i we date him? telling our children to <laughs> sure, read Ted. yeah yeah i didn't like that at the very beginning when she was born they introduced her to prince philip who was about three or four yeah. and said this is who you're going to marry and he sort of twists his face and you think yeah not now yeah <laughs> like when she's a baby but also i didn't like that because it was very arranged did, marriage did, it, did yeah. it go to that that shot of his face just looking horrible yeah, yeah it really did <laughs> <laughs> so how many what, what, what are we scoring on sorry i jumped in there that's your job what score are we giving it, Hannah? <laughs> I am going to give it two. Two what? Two terrifyingly oversized squirrels out of five. <laughs> can I have the other three? Because I'd quite like them. <laughs> you could have them one on top of each other in a raincoat. Finally, a husband. <laughs> That's all for this week's Standard Issue pod scene. Thanks very much for joining us. We've had a lovely time. Hashtag a lovely time. And we hope very much that you have too. Next week, coming up, we've got Lucy Reynolds talking about Halloween. You know, that silly American thing, what they do over there. And I am going to be talking to Molly Sheridan, who is one of the founders of a feminist perfume company called Reek. And she's pretty fucking ace, so I look forward to... I don't look forward to it. I've already done it. Um, Well, you can look forward to it. That'll be nice, wouldn't it? So, yeah, thanks for that. We have got loads of stuff going on, as always. We've got shows in that London. Next one's on November the 5th, and we have got Labour MP Jess Phillips, who's been on the pod scene before, and she's bloody lovely. We've got Alex Jones from BBC's The One Show. We've got Catherine Ryan, which is quite exciting. And, of course, we have got Dabos, Sarah Millican. So that'll be ace. You can get your tickets on the interweb. Uh, if you go to Sarah's website, www.sarahmillican.co.uk forward slash standard hyphen issue. And yeah, you will see all of the listings, including a show we've just announced, which is in Cambridge. Uh, in January next year. What a lovely Christmas present that would be, hey, listeners. Uh, and that's going to have uh, poet Holly McNish and actor. Liz Carr. 
So very exciting times indeed. What else can you do? You can go and read all of the stuff on our old website if you like. Uh, it's still there and it's still tremendous even if we are a little bit biased ourselves. So there's loads and loads of articles over there and that's at www.standardissuemagazine.com. You can find all of our old podcasts and podzines and gig casts and Sunday chops and Saturday bitching. That's a good name, isn't it? Yeah, we like that. Um, you can find all of those on Acast or iTunes or whatever your app of choice is, really. Have a look and you will probably find us. Um, but if you listen to this, you've already found us, so it's all okay, isn't it? And you can also contact us if you want to because um, we like to hear from you from time to time if you've got something exciting to tell us or maybe just that you think we're lovely we like to hear that as well you can contact us on mailbag at standardissuemagazine.com you can similarly contact us on the twitter at standardissueuk on facebook and indeed on instagram because we love a picture like all of them kids do also you can contact us individually if you want we've got at that dunleavy at mixter noonan and at inspira jen give us a shout we do like to hear from you and we like it as well if you rate and review us because that's ever so helpful but mostly it's helpful if you say we're excellent and you love us it's less helpful if you say we're shit but we're not shit so it's good isn't it you won't be lying if you give us five stars you'll just be telling the god's honest truth Anyway, I've wanged on a bit now, so I'll probably just uh, probably just leave you to it, let you get on with your lives. Um, yeah, so all that remains for me to say right now is stay frosty, champs. Standard issue. For all women.